1: plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans plan features and taxes and fees may vary
2: how sweet it is to be loved
3: Jeff Calkins is columnist at the Daily Memphis, also hosts the Jeff Calkins Show nine to eleven right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. He's on X at Jeff underscore Calkins. Jeff, how's it going? I'm good.
4: Beautiful day in Memphis, Tennessee.
3: I'm good too. We just got done talking about the possibilities with the new college football playoff of the University of Memphis Tigers potentially being the uh, the group of five uh, the group of five representative.
4: I'm feeling well, that's okay. A happy, right now. That's a, ha- that's, a ha- that's a happy
3: thing to talk about on this day, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. But hey, we have to break it.
4: I mean, I yeah. I, I no, figured that we
3: I figured that we'd come in here and have a little more positive to talk about, but then Penny Hardaway's hit <laughs> last night, and they they hit very hard. But I was I was just thinking about all of it, and and I mean, going into next year, I would be you'd be hard pressed uh, with the media. I would imagine the media is going to vote that team as the. Um, the in the preseason poll as the top spot in the American Athletic Conference with Tulane switching a coach, UTSA losing their quarterback, SMU out of the conference. There's just a lot of things to look forward to with that potential um, program. And I, I did bring this up too. If I would have told you back when they were almost about to lose to North Texas that they may be the potential high point of Memphis Athletics this year, would you have even come close to believing me? Probably not, right?
4: No, I mean, you know, this year, like, if we're talking about 2024, um, let's be honest, not a lot of competition. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> right? If, right. That's. If, I think that's the biggest point to be made. Not a lot of competition. Um, it's possible that I mean, 2024 will include, you know, the Grizzlies start of next season, and so that could be a high point. Like, we don't we don't know what that'll look like. I think they'll be very good. Um, next year. And so I think that'll be a high point. Um, but I think the the football thing is interesting, obviously, because, um, you know, people were really not, not very excited about Ryan and have not been for quite a while. Um, but he obviously did a great job of resurrecting um, that program, you know, and, and his prospects really still waiting to see what's happening with the extension. That's interesting. But I think one of the lessons there is, you look at Seth Hennigan, right? And yes, I mean, people say all the time, whether it's football or basketball, oh, in the age of NIL, you can't, you know, it's going to be every, it doesn't have to be. You know, I, I, I heard, um, I heard Jason talking about this today with respect to Houston basketball, but it's also true with Seth Hennigan and Memphis football that if you can, in fact, um, identify a core of players, who fit the program, who think they're flourishing in the program, who have an who have a connection to the head coach, which Seth very clearly does, who are i'm sure he's appropriately compensated, you can then swap in and out whatever the tight end'll be different, the running gap'll be different, like things will change because we are in the age of n i l uh and the transfer portal, but it's obviously the trick is. Figuring out who your core players are who can provide excellence and continuity over the course of several seasons. And it seems to me, and I'm not saying it's easy, but I do think that's part of the challenge for coaches, whether it be football or basketball in this era.
3: Yeah, I I absolutely think so. But I, I just... I had to bring some positivity off the top because uh, the, the the quotes last night from Penny Hardaway were definitely um, wearing on folks. I can imagine that. Um, what, what what stood out for you? I'll just, I'll go there. I'll go there. Um, rotation talk, criticism talk, where are we at about what Penny Hardaway had to say last night? You know,
4: I'm not that upset about any of it. Um, it, 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 it was, I mean, I'll get upset about the state of things you know, but um, here's the truth is coaches when they're feeling embattled, whether it's Tubby, whether it's Josh whether it's Rick Patino, they tend to say things that don't necessarily that, that come across as defensive right and that don't necessarily uh, mesh with what we're seeing with our own eyeballs yeah. um, I mean Rick Patino who just Laid into his team by name, yeah, which was uh, nuts, by the way. Um, then came back the next day and said, "I wasn't ripping anybody." Yes, you were. I was. And he, he went on and said, <laughs> "I was talking in a very calm voice. I was like whatever else." So, like coaches, <laughs> coaches. I mean, th- th- one of the one of the things that I actually appreciate about not writing as many sports columns anymore is one of the things I really hated um, about. Uh, writing certain sports columns. I hated writing the time for them to go column. You know, in fact, I I was usually late to the party. It's interesting. But by the time, because that's not how people remember things. Like people remember Tommy West's tirade as me trying to, like I was writing column after column about Tommy deserves more support. Tommy needs better facilities. Tommy needs, but by the end, And I'm not saying pennies at all close to the end. But by the end, here's what happens. When they're criticized, coaches lash out. Coaches get defensive. Coaches don't like being criticized. And that's true if it's Rip Shear. Rip Shear's father once chased me across the field to scream at me. And this is after Rip had been unsuccessful for year after year after year. After a while, you do sort of feel obligated as a columnist to point out that things aren't going very well. And people take it personally and they always feel attacked. I have never known a single coach who gets fired, who said, yep, you know what? That was all on me. I screwed it up. <laughs> you know, like I screwed that up. I deserve to be canned. There's always, you know, I was unfairly attacked or I didn't have the support I needed or whatever else. So right now Penny is feeling attacked Um I don't think he is being attacked, but very clearly there's criticism of, um, you know, of of, of where things stand. And so he said a bunch of things that some of which I agreed with, some of which I didn't agree with. But none of them really changed the reality of sort of where we are and the challenge that is ahead of him. I do think, and I'll wrap up here in a minute, I do think that they underline that. I mean, I heard you talking earlier that, you know, no one likes to criticize Penny Hardaway, but I'm hoping that, you know, he'll hear me. And the idea that Penny Hardaway would listen to me or you or whatever else about tactics is so preposterous that, I mean, I think we're obligated to point out where we think, you know, things are going wrong. But it is not helpful to Ben Penny because he doesn't listen. I mean, he doesn't listen to Larry Brown. My God, he's not listening to, to, to you or that, me or that's, anyone that's, else. That's the you know?
3: point I was getting at. I'm talking about constructive criticism in general, behind the scenes, everything else. I'm not yeah. saying he's listening to my show <laughs> right. and taking advice from right. me.
4: I don't get paid but for he, that. I don't think he listens. I, I don't think – I mean, I think – and maybe this is true. I think he, so he hears the dead noise
3: dead as much as as much as we want to act like he may not. I think he hears the noise. It's he very clear he the noise, hears the noise, but he he
4: dismisses it. Yes, right? and that's a, and that's way-
3: frustrating. That's frustrating, though, right? Because, like in the in the end of the day, there's clearly changes that need to be made. And I, uh, based on seeing, I put us in position to win every single night. I can't get out on the court and play as well. Doesn't seem like he's hearing it or really, uh, you know, jiving with it.
4: No, it's it's. Well, first of all, I don't think Penny should pay any attention to, quote-unquote, to noise, like from fans or whatever. I think Penny should um, pay attention to things that, that, whatever. I don't know what Rick Stansbury is saying to him or should take a hard look at what's not working or, you know, that sort of thing. And, but, I, I mean, here's the truth. From the very first day Penny took the job... Um, like various people would say, you know, Penny, he's an inexperienced coach. He's, you know, an AU coach or whatever. And Penny has always thought that he is a basketball genius. Like that, that he that he has from the first, from the literally the first year, he has been saying my game plan was perfect. Like he that that is the go-to Penny Hardaway. But we had the plan, we had the plan, and um, and so to hear him say it again. Last night, I guess it was a little different because he said every night because he put the words every night. But you, know, I know that to be true. Penny Hardaway believes he one hundred percent believes that if the players would just execute the game plan, they would win. And he has always believed that. Yes. And and I, I, don't, I don't I don't know. You know I don't think it lends itself towards this. Gets to what we were talking about yesterday. Where do we think? that it is more likely Penny might adapt in, in the way he builds his team or the way that he coaches his team in terms of the rotations. And the answer, I think, which we hit upon yesterday, is neither. <laughs> I don't think he's going to change either, particularly, because I think Penny, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is why. Like, people say all the time that coaches who um, – who are great players have a hard I mean you know have a great players have a hard time coaching. Yeah. I somewhat resist that because the truth of the matter is almost all coaches get fired, right? So it, it it's easy to say, well Patrick Ewing wasn't good at it and Chris Mullen wasn't good at it and Clyde Drexler wasn't good at it. But you know what? Rick Carlisle's pretty good at it. You know, I mean there's a lot of there's a lot of players who did coach. I mean, you know, he wasn't a great player. Larry Bird was pretty good at it. Jerry West was pretty good at building a team. Like that. so I don't necessarily <laughs> believe that 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 line of thinking but i do wonder if in in the in the case of penny and certain it's not just because it's common to say about those players well you know they don't understand why other coaches why why players can't do what they did maybe it's this maybe it's they were so good at what they did for so long that they have egos that don't allow them to be reflective and I think Penny Hardaway has an incredibly healthy ego around his, well-earned, well, well, well earned, yep. around his basketball um, knowledge that does not allow him to be particularly uh, flexible or reflective.
3: I think that is pretty damn fair. I think that's pretty fair. Now, with negativity, though, I, 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 again, I think you already sort of hit on this. It's ne- the negativity or the target, I think, is national. Local, I do not view it that way. I think it's, it's, it's sped up because you lose six of the last nine games. But I do think in so many situations, people mistake reality for negativity. If you lose six or nine games, criticisms, criticisms are going to happen, and it may be viewed as negativity, but that's not what it is. I think everybody wants to see this thing work. Everyone wants to see this, you know, uh, turn out the right way. And it's just strange to me that it gets it's put in this negativity category. When I again, we've talked about it on several occasions. I don't think that's what it is.
4: I think that's uh, again. I think it's common for every coach to feel like it's negativity because because what's the alternative? Thinking that oh, it's deserved criticism. (laughs) Like like uh, so. No, it's it's not my fault. It's not my problem. That's deserved. So so it's easier to call it negativity. I think you're exactly right. Um, Generally speaking, generally speaking, Penny has been, I think it is fair to say, from the moment he got hired, he was a target nationally. There were lots of national people who who thought Tubby was mistreated and who lined Penny up, who ripped the hire. And so nationally, I do think, and then particularly for other fan bases, you know, I, I think... He and the, the, you know, he some of it he brought on himself with the, the you know, with the, all the smoke stuff and the Rick Barnes stuff and all of that. But I think he is a target nationally, I think locally he is protected, but that doesn't mean that's how it feels to him. It is interesting, like, I have a um, you know, I have firsthand experience with this because. He thinks he's a target, and he thinks he's a target of negativity, right? Well, let's go back to that press conference two years ago oh, when he erupted. Yes, my question was: Have this was after I don't know. You can look it up. What did they lost seven of nine or six of eight or whatever? They were what nine they, and eight they, after that they, game? They were nine and eight. They had just gotten blown out by SMU. It was an embarrassing first half performance, and you know, <laughs> this is a game where, like, I remember you know how to. The, the fans stand up till they score the first basket. And they like, they were standing up through the first time <laughs> time out. And then they had to get back up and it was awful. Okay. So my question was, um, have you ever lost faith that you can get this done? Now? I don't think that's an attack. I, I honestly think it's a question that if I went tomorrow and I asked again, I think it's a really good question. Like, Penny, where where are you? Where's your mindset here? Like, you came in talking about national championships and whatever else, and it's been kind of rough. It's not, you know, you've persevered. There's been highs, whatever. Have you lost faith? Like, right now, looking around at what's happened, have you lost faith that you can get this done? I'd be interested in that. I think it actually gives them an opportunity to say, no, I have not lost faith. I'm as determined to do this as I've ever done. I'm yeah. we're gonna get this right. But Penny perceived it as an attack yeah. and came back with the whatever he came back with. So um if he's gonna perceive that as an attack, he'll perceive any sort of criticism of his notations of what has happened, of the bottom falling out the way it has, as an attack. But I honestly think he's not that different. From most coaches, because the like I said, the alternative is to say oh no i 'm being criticized because I deserve it, and no one wants to think that about themselves right so so instead, you talk about negativity,
3: yep, now talking with Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins. On X. How, how are you viewing this Pat Bev, JJ Reddick, Doc Rivers beef? JJ Reddick basically took to a ESPN and says he always has excuses and he always throws it on his players. Um, I think he's right, but it feels like there's a couple of people, weirdly enough. And of course, it's Austin Rivers coming out against him on NBA Today and Pat Bev, who plays for Doc Rivers. But do you think JJ Reddick was on point with what he had to say
4: about Doc? Yeah, of course. I, I, what I, it's funny. I saw the highlight of that and I saw that JJ clip, what did Stephen A say? Because like, Stephen A looked like Stephen A, was he in the I've, you know, in these, in these debates you have a hard time knowing who's lined up where. Was he lined up with the with, on the Doc Rivers side? Because he looked no, as J.J. Well, was... He said
3: a few no. things to say. I think he was, he was still on JJ side. He was still more on JJ side than, than Doc's. I think he insulated a tad bit, though. Insulated the <laughs> Doc side.
4: I think it's a pretty bad look when you're Doc and you, you know, you look like you maneuvered to get this job, right? Uh, acting first as a mentor and, and then stabbing your predecessor in the back. And then you come in and you have, what are they? Three and seven. What's the latest? What
3: are they? Three the three and seven in his first 10.
4: Yeah. Three and seven, including losing to that version of the Grizzlies. And then, Immediately saying, "Look like we had some guys in Cabo already." Like that, that is that's pretty. I mean, his record, his record of underachievement with really good teams, whether it's Game Sevens or his record is um, is what it is, and it's not impressive. Um, but he's always been, you know, a good talker, and um, and so I think I think JJ's, I think J J. Reddick's really good, by the way. So you know, yeah, I mean, I think he's really good. Um, he's crapped on Memphis before, which, which I don't appreciate. But even then, he's probably you know spitting some truth. So, um, I I think JJ's going to be a uh, JJ Redick's going to be a positive addition.
3: What do you think about him potentially being a coach sometime, someday? I feel like that's what all this is. I feel like he wants the angle to get that done. Do you want to be a coach? I think I think at least you know front office something like that. I feel like he he's, he does a lot. Of, I mean, feels like that. I don't know. He's
4: really like it is interesting. Would you? I think different people are. I, I can't speak to it. Like, That's just a mindset. Like, do you, would you rather be a coach or would you rather have a the job where you get to, you know, I think sitting in a studio doing a podcast and, and whatever else is pretty sweet work. Yeah. And it, it comes with none of the criticisms of coaching. On the other hand, if you're someone who burns for the competition, for the winning and losing, the nightly, and I, but I can't speak to what I think, you know, do you think JJ, you know, which, which one of those is what motivates is what motivates JJ. I mean, Hubie was interesting. Like Hubie Brown right. when he was the you know coach at Memphis and um, he'd obviously carved out a terrific career as a broadcaster and he's still at it, but he really loved coaching. Like that's yeah. what he loved. Um, and, and for Hubie, it was really less the sort of it wasn't the money and it wasn't the and it wasn't the the competition as much as it was the teaching. Right? He really fancied himself. In fact, the Grizzlies' um, coach of the year campaign that year had hey, had little pencils and stuff they gave out to you know teacher of the year basically. Hubie really felt like he was born to be a. A teacher. And so when he was talking about basketball, that was great. And it's a different
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect, impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can
4: Kind of teaching, but that's what he loved. So I don't, I, I, I can't speak to what right, is, of what drives him. But, but, um, yeah, I, I, I think being an NBA coach would be kind of damn thankless. Yeah, um, honestly, don't you like?
3: Well, you get fired uh, pretty damn easily. We've seen, <laughs>
4: and you have so little control. Yes, right. You have so little control. I and mean, the truth of the matter is the po- poor Jacques there's, Vaughn,
3: there's, Vaughn yesterday too. I yeah, mean, that's well, just brutal. You know. You know
4: so, I mean, which would you rather be, an NBA coach where you don't have to deal with the NIL, the transfer portal, all that stuff? I mean, Penny Hardaway, go back to Penny for a second. He does control everything, you know? He does control everything, unlike an NBA coach where you're just sort of there trying to get the players to do what you want them to do without much leverage. Like, Penny controls them. Um And so I, and it's why when people ask who's, you know, who to blame, it's, of course, it's Penny. um, Who to blame, who to credit, because he has complete control. And it's a very different job in that way than an NBA coach. It also must be incredibly exhausting and frustrating.
3: Yep, for sure. That Jacques Vaughn thing is just brutal, though. I know his track record's not that great, but my God. Poor guy he has no chance of winning with that team. I, I don't care who they bring in until they, if they decide they're going to build around Mikael Bridges, that's not going to work for anybody. I'm sorry.
4: No, I mean the, the problem is, is Mikael Bridges is a really, really, really good, good. player on the team. <laughs> you know, he's a he's a he's a superb number three on your team, yes. right? Yes. I mean, honestly, that I you know, it's not unlike when Powell was here. Powell better than Bridges, but. Um, he was a superb two on the team, superb two on the team. But in the end, he reached his full potential and accomplishments when he became, you know, when Kobe became yes. the one and he could be the two. Um, and so it's a, you could be a terrific three and it's not going to get you anywhere, which is, which is what is the situation in Brooklyn.
3: Yep. Now Grizzlies don't play until uh, Friday. So uh, I want to get a head start on this, this pick that they'll, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll have going into next year. Uh, where are you leaning? They're going to keep, or are they going to trade? Where and, and, and what do you think the reaction <laughs> to keeping it would be? I'm I'm curious about that.
4: Uh, yeah, it was interesting today. You had mock drafts dropping, and I think it's looked well, a couple things. One is obviously this draft is all over the place, so it's the there's even less sort of stock put in the mock drafts than 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 normal. Secondly, most mock drafts this time of year, they're not they're not even looking particularly at team needs. They're really just ordering the players. You know, they're yeah. really just player ranking. So the Grizzlies, in both the ESPN mock draft and the athletic draft mock draft, they had them taking a wing. And I would be surprised if the Grizzlies sat right where they were and took a wing, given Gigi, given Vince, given Marcus Smart, given Desmond Bain, given what we've seen, I would be surprised if that's the way it played out. Um, I expect, because it is their main chip that they have, I expect them to deal the pick in an effort to get a, the, the, the center, who will start next to Jaron. Right. And it could be, as Chris Harrington has pointed out, it could be like moving down with Orlando and getting Wendell Carter or something. It doesn't mean you 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 know, you won't pick in the first round. There's all kinds of ways you could slice it. Um, and I expect that's what they'll Try to do. It's the main. It's the main asset they have to try to fill the main hole that they have. Right. So I expect them that, unlike most people, however, I will not be outraged if they just right. make the pick. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I, think- I, I you, you, you look what Derek Lively is doing in Dallas. Like I think it's possible to have a pick that actually steps in and contributes. And so now you have to go out and get another center somewhere else, right. you know, whether it's the mid-level or the taxpayer, whatever you'll have, to, or, or, or uh, putting together some other deal. Um, but it wouldn't outrage me. And I think it's also possible that, um, that Filipowski or, or, you know, I think whatever I think could be Klingen, Macy, right there whatever there. the whoever's yeah, there. is another one, you know, it's interesting. Like I was that, that's, that's one of the ways that it, it's it, it, like clinging in, in, in some drafts is, you know, in the twenties, but I was just reading John Hollinger, um, his scouting report about him in the athletic. And he was, he just, was, you know, talking about, you know, what a he's a dominant college big, right? Now he has a hard time staying on the floor and his foot issues will be, huge. you know, do you want to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of it. But, like he could be a monster. So, Um, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how the medicals go, all of that. But I could imagine that they sit right there and pick him, you know, and then go get a veteran big, and that wouldn't outrage me at all. One one thing I've been trying to think
3: about, though, is like trading down in this draft. I just don't know what the value – like somebody could potentially find value in trading up with the Grizzlies and taking who they want. But this draft is just so strange so much different than it has been in the past. It's just not a loaded draft, and I wonder if the value of that pick is a little bit diminished because of that. I'd imagine it is.
4: Well, I generally am, uh, particularly in the NBA draft, I am not a fan of, of trading down, period, because... There's just not a lot of hits in the NBA draft. This is not like the NFL draft, right? And so if you have a player you have conviction on, I think a lot of people say, well, it's 7 and 14 in a draft are pretty much the same. No, they're never the same. Like <laughs> There's a player you have a conviction on who will be available at 7, who probably won't be available at 14. And so I don't love it when an NBA, I think in the NFL team, trades down, accumulates picks. That's a smart way to go, honestly. But I think in the NBA – you're really looking for stars, like you're looking for most players, even in the first round, aren't going to be hits. And so you can't just say, well, we're going to hit either way, and so we'll we'll get an extra pick or something else. So I'm not generally a fan of trading down, um, honestly, but but I think it's possible that in this draft, I mean, teams are going to have players they like. Right, in the end, they're going to fall in love with players. Even in this draft, they're going to have players that they like. And so, if there's if Orlando is kind of done with Wendell Carter, and you know, and the Grizzlies want him, just by way of example, and there's a player that they really like, I can imagine them, you know, dealing up um, to get him, jockeying up. I mean, hell, the Grizzlies once moved up to get Zaire Williams. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. like it was a whiff. But they, now, of course, they, that was not a draft night deal. So they didn't, you know, they didn't know that it was Zaire, but like teams fall in love with players, even if they shouldn't, <laughs> you, know, you, you know, and I think that'll happen. I think there will always be teams wanting to, to, to move up. Now, whether they have a center that they can offer you, that's the trickier one. There's not a lot of, you know, not, not a lot of, I mean, and, and you're not, you're looking for a starting center. That's a thing. You're looking for a starting center for a team that you think is going to be competing for championships or aspires to be competing for championships. That's not an easy thing to find, but I do think their main asset will be that pick. And so I guess I would be, I would be very surprised if they stayed where they are or in the vicinity of where they are and picked a wing, which is what both of these, you know, which is what both of these, um, you know, mock drafts had him doing. And, of course, the lottery is still the playoff. You know, right. we'll see. Grizzlies could jump up to first or second or third. You never know. Yep, for sure. Well, Go Jeff, forward.
3: I appreciate it, man. Yep. Thanks for hopping you on. Can. We'll do it again tomorrow. That is Jeff Calkins at Jeff underscore Calkins on next columnist of the Daily and also host of the Jeff Calkins Show from 9 to 11 right here on 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, get buckets for your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet Wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit fanduelcom slash Gabe K. That is my promo code, G-A-B-E-K. Again, G-A-B-E-K, and shoot your shot. Fandle is an official sportsbook partner of the NBA and 92.9 ESPN. You must be 21-plus and president in Tennessee. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fandle.com. And if you have a gambling problem, call the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789. Now, in the past couple of days, we've had a lot of people um, at spring training getting their, their uh, press availability and talking with the press in general. And Anthony Rendon, who plays for the Angels, said something very, very interesting about the sport of baseball. He compared it to a job, and he says it's never been at the top of his list in his life But I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about the mindsets of players in pro sports. I want to have that discussion next right here on the Gabe Kuhn Show, 92.9 FM ESPN.
1: Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN.
3: on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. Now, a lot of people, a lot of teams have already reported to spring training. And with that, you get a lot of uh, star players and players in front of the press talking about their offseason and uh, sort of what that entails. Now, Anthony Rendon is a guy who a few years ago from the Angels when they were trying to build up with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, he was a guy who got a seven-year, $245 million contract. Now, he has been hurt for the better part of two of the four years he has been there. Um, but he was sort of asked about his mindset and how he views his job with the Angels, and, and this is what he had to say. Is it still a top priority for you? That's well, never been a top priority for me. This is a job. So I do this to make a living. Uh, my faith, my family come first before this job. So if those things come before it, I'm leaving. Is it a priority? Oh, it's a priority for sure. This is my job. I'm here, aren't i am here are not do you want to be here? I don't want to talk to you guys at 7 <laughs> in the morning or whatever time <laughs> it is. So,
2: <laughs> so do you, I mean, do you want I mean, do you want to like be here playing baseball? I have you?
3: answered your question. So why do you keep picking at it?
2: Oh. <laughs> yeah, you technically answered it. <laughs>
3: He did answer the question. He said, "In the end of the day, when it comes to priorities in my life, my faith and my family are over baseball." And and this is interesting to me because I think when you view this, when you see this, it definitely rubs people the wrong way. Now, with Anthony Rendon, I know why it rubs people the wrong way. He was signed for seven years, two hundred forty-five million dollars, making thirty-five million dollars a year, and he hasn't performed for the Angels, and they haven't been a playoff team, and they haven't been good, even with some stars on that team. After he got done with the Nationals, you had high hopes for. He hasn't really delivered because of injuries. Now, when it comes down to it, I don't know why this is always viewed so negatively around sports and and how we talk about sports. You, for example, sitting at home, if you were sitting at, at your job and you had a family emergency, what are you going to do? You're going to leave and your boss is likely going to give you a reason to leave. Going to tell you you are okay to go leave to go take care of family issues. There are things that always come over your job. Is the idea here that because he gets paid so much, his job is supposed to become come before his family and his faith? I don't quite understand why people have taken such a, a negative viewpoint of this. Now, when we see a guy like Nikola Jokic talk about this and he wins championships, we view it so positively. We say, oh, hell yeah. Absolutely, I like a guy who's, whose priority is not directly related and his, his worth is not directly related to his sport because Anthony Rendon has said it and he has not necessarily delivered, he's been injured. It feels like people have viewed this in a negative light. People have said, there's been people out there saying, Trout, Mike Trout should view this and want to get him out of that locker room as soon as possible. I just don't know why. Because the money is there, people feel as if professional ball players, professional athletes should make their job their top priority over family. Over fa- It's just it makes no sense to me, and it has always made no sense to me. We always lose the human element when it comes to these athletes, and I think this is another example of it.
2: Yeah, totally agree. I don't – I just – I genuinely don't really understand why people are so up in arms over those comments. He said that his family and his faith are his priorities over his job and still said that his job is a priority of his. It's just not his top two. Everybody needs to relax. Yeah, and here's the thing. When you're doing your job, me and you sitting here, we have to be present. We
3: have to do these things. We have to make sure that when we're in this studio, it's our top priority. But if something were to happen, which has happened before to both of us, we have to take care of certain things. Some things take precedence over the job that you carry at that moment. Just because you're a professional athlete, you get paid $35 million a year, that doesn't change. I, I think people would be surprised. People would be surprised at the mindset of a lot of professional athletes if they really got to sit down and talk with them, college athletes at that. You'd be surprised that their life does not necessarily revolve directly around their sport. Is it a big part of their life? Is it a priority? Yes, but it doesn't mean it's their whole life. It doesn't mean it's their whole, you know, how they view themselves I think when you do view, the, view, view yourselves through just that one lens of the sport that you play, I've seen this with a lot of uh, teammates, and this is sort of getting into the weeds and it gets uncomfortable. When you do have that persona, the personality, and it revolves around your sport, you can, when you're done with said sport, sports don't last forever, you do have issues afterwards. So I think, quite frankly, Anthony Rendon, what he said, that is the most healthy viewpoint of an athlete that you could potentially have. That is a healthy
2: view of the sport that you play. I, I, I found the journalist annoying, to be honest. He answered the question. Oh, he And then prodded, he was like, oh, well, and do you want to here?
3: That was about the, the third time he
2: prodded. It was very odd. And <laughs> his point was right. He was like, I don't want to be here at 7 a.m. talking to you all. Like, yes. I understand. Because what a lot of people were saying are like, oh, poor guy who gets to play a game for a living. Yeah, that's true. He gets to play a game for a living. We but there's un- there to are do consequences, consequences that come with it. Well, like, it's uh, not consequences. You just have to do a lot of things and that's not, that's outside of the game of baseball. Yes, there, that, there but there,
3: there there are negatives that you have to deal with when you get paid the amount of money you get paid. That's
2: why you get paid the amount of money right. you paid. But just because someone gets paid a lot of money to play what is technically a game, it does not mean they have to be there 100% my priority is only this. I find that quite ridiculous and unrealistic. And I, I've, never been, I've never been cool with people criticizing others because of the amount of money that they make. Yes. Like, what was he supposed to do, say no?
3: Yeah, and I also find it strange when people lose big games and they see them out at clubs and having fun and, you know, drinking with their buddies they, they tend to view that negatively, a lot of fans. What, do you want them to hang on to it for the rest of their life and completely wreck their brain over it? There are certain athletes that that's helped. I think Kobe Bryant's one of them where he's just like, if he loses, he's going to be a recluse for years and years and years. But I don't think that's a good mental space to be in for anybody, much less professional athletes. I just think people need to have a more realistic view of who these guys are on a personal level when they start to criticize them for saying things like
2: this. They're people.
3: <laughs> In the end of the day, they are people. They are human beings. We lose that a lot. We lose that a lot, and that's not you know. It is what it is. We we view them as entertainers. We get entertainment value out of it, and we send we tend to lose the part of it where they are humans. They this is their job,
2: and sometimes there are things that take precedence over your job. And even if you love your job, there are still things about it that sometimes you don't want to have to do. Yeah. It's, it's, a, that it's that simple. It's not complicated. It's really not complicated. And I do think that it's weird that we, you know, and I, I we do it. I, I think it's funny how Jokic talks about basketball and how it's just a job for him. I don't understand why he gets a pass for it, but Rendon does it. Cuz cuz like,
3: he, he's won. That's that's really Rendon the has end a of it. In the end, well, with the Angels in particular, that's, that's where people, like, that's where people are, are, are getting up in arms about it. Oh, you haven't given anything to this franchise. You don't care about this franchise. You don't care about the money they've given oh, you. you. No, that's not necessarily angels, the case. Angels. They he's, don't care about their but franchise. He's, but he's also had injury after injury. Give the guy a little bit of a damn break. If he cares about his family and his faith more than his damn job, that is like 99% of the, of the entire population of the world. Of the United States, I mean, you're, you're supposed to take precedence for family before your job. That's, that's just generally speaking. When you don't, I think you're in a negative headspace. I think you're in a different headspace of frustrating headspace.
2: If I had to put on a uniform that said Angels Angels every yeah, day, I, I wouldn't have it as a priority either. I hear you. Stupid franchise. <laughs> now
3: on that note, let's go ahead and uh, and grab a break. When we come back we'll be, we'll go ahead and get to
1: Small Talk right here on the Gabe Koon Show. Here on 92.9 we talk ball every weekday from 4 till 7pm except right now. <laughs> it's time for Big Man Small Talk on 92.9's Gabe Koon Show. And Small Talk
3: is brought to you by Conway Services. Reputable service available seven. Seven days a week. Now, I, I, I meant to bring this up yesterday, um, but, uh, you know, parlay talk here real quick. Did you see Des Bryant's parlay that he had over this past weekend? I did. Des not. Bryant, obviously former wide receiver for the Cowboys, um, he won an insane college basketball parlay. He showed off that he won $416,970 on a 13-way college basketball parlay Saturday. I wonder how much, how many he's actually placed, though, in regards to that. $767 at plus 54215 odds. Is that a little much? It's a little hey, much. It makes me feel like he's lost. He's a parlay. We
1: get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: ...better, and that's how you lose your ass. That is how you lose your ass. Now, in college basketball, what's uh, going viral right this second... <laughs> <That's> so much. <laughs> is, uh, ...is the fact that we had a nasty brawl last night. Texas A&M Commerce versus Incarnate Word. Texas A&M Commerce... Um, ended up getting over top 76-72. That was, though, if you've seen the videos of it, the worst brawl I think I've seen in college basketball of all time. Uh, the amount of punches thrown, the flurries, the, the, the combinations, it was nuts, and the, they couldn't break it up. It was the entire team versus the entire team just throw. It was, looked like one of those Russian cage matches where they go where they go like five on five, six on six. It was nuts. It was nuts. Now, I, I wonder what they're going to do to to sort of handle this because if you're going to suspend or or you know, put, you know go go that direction, if you're the Southland Conference, they might have to forfeit a game. I don't know if they'd have enough players to play in a damn game and Commerce and Incarnate Word going forward. So like what are they going to do? How do you handle this? How do you I mean, you have to suspend these guys for multiple games. But if you do that, you're probably going to be missing seven, eight, maybe even nine guys from each team going into the next few games.
2: Yeah, it, it seems like you're going to have to probably end up forfeiting a game or two. But, yeah, it's, it was a really bad fight. And, you know, at, at some of these smaller schools, you just don't have any personnel out there to try to yeah. corral an insane fight that breaks out. Do, do we know why it began no, nah, not really. it was really. in the handshake line, and then just chaos ensued.
3: I, I guess we have not gotten full word, but I guess it's just trash talk initiated it, and people got into it.
2: I, golly. Man. Are they rivals? I, I I don't know. I don't follow Southland I know. basketball. Dude, I don't <laughs> know. Sometimes you drop knowledge <laughs> about fair. college teams. It's yeah, that yeah. insane. So. I know
3: that they're in the Southland Conference. I think that's enough, right? <laughs> right? That seems. So. But Southland's going to pass down some suspensions and some, uh, some hefty, hefty uh, – Suspensions here in just a second. Now, final thing. Justin Fields has officially unfollowed the Bears organization on Instagram. This is how we follow these things now, right? It's how we see where we sort of where they fit in. Now, Justin Fields, we know that Caleb Williams is likely gonna be the number one overall pick to the Chicago Bears, and that leaves Justin Fields in a weird spot. I just want to ask you, Connor, because I've been trying to wreck my brain, trying to figure out where I want him to land. Where do we want him to land? Let's let's put our brains together on this. Where do we want him to land? I think right now, if you go to DraftKings, his next team is favored to be the Falcons. They are Mm -hmm. minus 110. The Bears are right at about plus 250 somewhere around there. But the Falcons are the minus 110, and the reason that has actually come to light is because when people were go, snooping through his Instagram follows, they saw that he unfollowed the Bears and that he followed Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and Bijan Robinson all in one night. So I would like to see him on the Falcons or the Steelers. Right. I think Falcons more uh, suit, would it's suit fun. him more The Falcons would be more. fun. And you get back home. Yeah. He's from the state of Georgia. And then also, the only reason I don't wish the Steelers upon him is because is because, <laughs> because the defense is always going to be first if Mike Tomlins, the head coach, and offensively they're just they're they're trending in a direction with Arthur Smith where they're probably going to be very boring. That's fair. That's the issue I have. That's fair. And then also when you look at who was hired as the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, Zach Robinson, coming from the Rams, you could air it out a little bit more. I think you could unlock a little bit more from Justin Fields and actually use the tools that are are given to him, that have been given to him by God, right? Whereas, like, the Steelers are just going to run the ball, pound the ball, and do play action every third play. That's sort of what we're looking at. So I think the Falcons is where I would rather see him go. But the Steelers, he could probably win. Probably win a few games. So we'll see. We'll see. And I always, as much as I don't want to see him be a, the, the offensive focal point, fulcrum for the Steelers, I do want to see him, I mean, him with Mike Tomlin. I think that Mike Tomlin's a very good coach and could definitely teach him some lessons along, along the way. Now, we have a third hour on the way. We'll get to the Blitz at about 6.30. But coming up next, we have some Tigers to get back into with Penny and his quotes yesterday. Christian Fowler from Bluff
1: City Media joins next. WMFS-FM and HD1 Bartlett. WMFS Memphis. Celebrating a legacy of sports as the flagship home of the Memphis Grizzlies and Tigers talk. Always live on the Odyssey app and on smart speakers, say Play 92.9 ESPN. All 650 acquisition, V4T, RE722812, MSRP21590, Sorrento, PG242710, MSRP33010, Telluride, RG462822, MSRP38705. Includes all rebates and incentives, must finance through Hyundai, excludes tax title and license. See dealer for complete details, offer valid through 22924 with approved credit, dealer stock only. Hey, Jeff Allen, you ready to get this party started in Gossett Key Kia South Mount Mariah? You bet I am, Randy. Gossett's got
2: your new kid that gets 41 MPG high way. 2024 Kia Forte LXS, $239 a month. $27.99 do it signing. Need extra room? How about a 2023 Kia Sorento LX at $319 a month. $34.99 do it signing. And a 2024 Kia Telluride S all-wheel drive, $459 a month. $34.99 do it signing. All
1: 36-month lease. Plus, get peace of mind, because with every gossip Kia, you get a 10-year,
2: 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. So whether you live in Horn Lake, South Haven, Olive Branch, Memphis, you'll be happy, happy at on Mount Moriah. 2680 Mount Moriah or online, Kia Kelly Blue Book is the one-stop shop for pricing, fixing, selling, and instant cash offering. Instant Cash Offer is exactly what it sounds like. An official offer to buy or trade your car. Woo-hoo! Just enter your VIN or license plate. Answer a few questions about your car's history and what kind of condition it's in. In minutes, you'll receive an offer to sell or trade your car that you can be sure is fair. Then choose a dealer to purchase your car and schedule a time to meet. For all of the it's, KBB.com. I'm what you might call very good at hide and seek. This one time, my parents had to round up the whole neighborhood to track me down. It was a mess. A lot of tears. Well, now that we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, including all my favorite super secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my shows and... Ha! Found ya. The heck? How? You left to find my tablet on. This generation ruining the game with their performance enhancers. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity for a reliable connection throughout your home. Now through February 25th, get GigSpeed Internet for $35 a month for 12 months when you add unlimited mobile. Plus, get Wi-Fi equipment included for two years. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Requires paperless plan, auto pay, stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Tax and fees extra may change. GigSpeed Wi-Fi requires Gig Internet and Xfinity Gateway. After 12 months, Internet increases to $60. After 24 months, regular rates apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Actual speeds vary.